This is Incomplete Design History, a podcast that explores overlooked and ignored topics in graphic design history. It is our goal to deepen and expand the knowledge, understanding, and interpretation of design history. Because history is messy. It's incomplete. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Mandy Horton. This season of Incomplete Design History will focus on women of graphic design history. In 1958, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology initiated a visiting designer program which brought European designers to help offset seasonal workloads. The first designer brought in was George Adams, a Bauhaus alumnus. The second was Therese Moll, a graduate of the Basel School of Design who studied under Armin Hoffman and Emil Reuter, both noted leaders of the Swiss style. Visiting designers like Adams and Mole would have a profound impact on the design of MIT publications through the influence they had on the MIT designers. One of those designers was Jacqueline Casey, who spent most of her career designing and later directing the MIT's Office of Publications. Jacqueline Casey was born in Quincy, Massachusetts in 1927. We don't know much about her early life except as a child she wanted to become an artist. We know her parents, however, were less than enthusiastic. Perhaps they felt an artistic career was too unreliable and saw it as an unlikely career for a child growing up through the Great Depression and the shadow of World War II looming fresh across the Atlantic Ocean. So they encouraged Casey to pursue something more solid like bookkeeping or administrative work. Despite her parents' wishes, Jacqueline Casey would finish school and enroll in the Massachusetts College of Art, or Mass Art, just at the end of World War II. It was at Mass Art that Jacqueline Casey would meet Muriel Cooper, a fellow student who would play an important role in Casey's life and leave her own mark on the history of design. At Mass Art, the two became friends, working together as cashiers at the university store. In a move that might have pleased her parents, Casey and Cooper would continue their work together later as bookkeepers at the store. While there's not much more known about their time together in college, the pair clearly enjoyed working together and would even use the store space after hours as an informal design studio. In 1949, Jacqueline Casey graduated from the Massachusetts College of Art with her bachelor's degree in fine arts with a focus on fashion design and illustration. World War II saw many women filling traditionally male jobs vacated by men who'd been sent off to war. Women were becoming more accepted in the workplace out of necessity, if nothing else. But even after the war ended, there was a need for women to keep working. The government even launched a propaganda campaign to encourage women to contribute and seek employment. The proportion of women in the labor force increased from 45.9% in 1955 to a whopping 51% in 1965. However, women were still largely relegated to what was seen as women's jobs, such as banking, clerical, textile, nursing, or cleaning work. Even though society admitted women were needed for the economy and reconstruction, it did so begrudgingly. They were the last to get promoted or acknowledged and the first to be let go in times of trouble. Women in this period were considered secondary workers. They were still expected to marry, be housewives, and to work only for additional income. Feminist movements gave rise to strikes and unions for women, demanding equal pay for equal work. And here we are decades later, and we're still not there yet. This is the America that Jacqueline Casey stepped into in 1949. 
one more willing to benefit from a woman's talents, but not willing to really recognize that talent. After graduating, Casey worked at a number of different jobs. She worked in fashion design for a while, but unsatisfied, she tried working in advertising as well as interior design. None of these industries were the right fit. Casey was searching for something that truly interested her. Out of frustration, she decided to clear her head and spent the next three months traveling through Europe. She later said of the experience, I broke the negative cycle by traveling with the decision to focus my life on something related to the arts and to develop my visual sensitivity. Then in 1955, Casey was hired by her friend and fellow mass art alumna, Muriel Cooper, on behalf of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's Office of Publications. Muriel Cooper, who is still largely excluded from the canon of design history, deserves her own episode. Cooper was becoming quite the influential design figure of her own right. MIT was one of the very first U.S. universities to centralize its publication and to employ a full-time in-house designer. The very first designer they employed was a woman. This woman was Muriel Cooper. Together, Cooper and Casey would go on to influence each other and play important roles in spreading modernism in America. Initially, Casey was hired on for freelance work on summer pro promotional materials for some of MIT's summer programs. She spoke positively about the experience, saying, we would interview faculty and have a mini course on the subject, such as radioisotopes from the professor in charge. There was an opportunity to learn something new every day. Casey would get the opportunity to keep learning and exploring new things at MIT as Cooper hired her as a full-time designer in 1955. In 1957, Cooper left MIT and Casey became more active within the Office of Publications at MIT, where she promoted a creative environment. During her time at MIT, Casey was responsible for posters, catalogs, and other promotional materials for MIT events, programs, academic lectures, and art exhibits ranging from science to music to technology. Casey said her design goal was always to stop anyone I can with an arresting or puzzling image and to entice the viewer to read the message with small type and above all, to attend the exhibition. Casey worked with a number of notable designers over her career at MIT, but perhaps the most influential was near the start. In the summer of 1958, Casey worked with Therese Moll. Moll had been a friend and assistant to Carl Gerstner, a Swiss designer whose complex grid system had become very popular within the international typographic style. The international typographic style, also referred to as ITS, had its beginnings in the 1950s in Switzerland, which is why it is also sometimes called the Swiss style. The philosophy of the movement was objective clarity, and it leaned on established modernist ideals to achieve this goal. ITS maintained popularity in the 1950s and 60s, and its influence can still be seen today. The foundations of ITS originate from other modern European avant-garde movements, such as de Stiel, constructivism, the new typography, and of course, with the design aesthetic of the Bauhaus. Swiss graphic designer Ernst Keller was an influential force behind the development of ITS, even though he largely opposed the idea of styles. Max Bill and Theo Balmer, who both trained at the Bauhaus in Dessau, were early progenitors of ITS. While designers like Carl Gerstner, Armin Hoffman, Joseph Mueller-Brockman, and Emil Ruder are some of the most known practitioners of the style and helped spread its influence. 
These designers not only practiced ITS in their work, but promoted it as well. They wrote about ITS extensively in international publications and taught the styles, philosophies, and rules for design in the leading Swiss design schools. Many American students and students from other European countries traveled to Switzerland to study at these design schools and returned home to practice where they continued to spread the ITS movement along with its philosophies and ideologies. Casey wasn't one of the students who traveled abroad to learn the international typographic style. Rather, her introduction to ITS came from visiting designers at MIT, such as Therese Moll. We should pause for a moment and recognize that while Jacqueline Casey and Muriel Cooper are now starting to get the attention they deserve, Moll was recognized by other designers as an outstanding young designer and very influential to those she worked with, yet she remains a footnote at best in much of the recorded graphic design history. Her story isn't well known, partly because two years after her four-month visit at MIT in 1959, Mole took her own life. Mole was well-trained in designing modular grid systems. Casey felt that modular grids and their proportions had a great potential as a useful tool for designing publications and took very quickly to the ITS design principles she learned from Mole. Authors Stephen Heller and Greg D'Onofrio remark that the MIT Office of Design Services played a critical role into helping popularize the Swiss gospel and the international typographic style throughout the United States during the 60s and beyond. According to authors Elizabeth Resnick and Robert Weisenberger, MIT designers were practicing ITS using Helvetica and Accidents Grotesque long before it became associated with the corporate style of America and even before it was being taught in design schools, at least in America. Even through all the shifting of design styles in the US, Swiss modernism was still consistently applied to designs at MIT. Although Casey herself referred to MIT as a male-dominated environment, the university appears to have been a place that supported female designers and leaders. In 1982, there were three women in charge of various offices. Jacqueline Casey was leading design services, formerly the Office of Publications. Muriel Cooper was in charge of an experimental arm called the Visual Language Workshop. And the MIT Press was headed up by Sylvia Steiner. That same year, MIT was granted a prestigious award for design by AIGA, the second annual Design Leadership Award. Casey's designs were unified yet unique and explored facets of ITS, including modular abstraction, empty space, and scale. She enjoyed playing with visual metaphors, language, and typography. Perhaps what most attracted Casey to ITS was its focus on efficient visual communication, since she shared that focus within her own work. She said of her own design approach, it starts with gathering material, determining the purpose of the communication, the audience, looking for any hint of special significance to make a more accurate and vital statement. She pulled influences from ITS designers like Carl Gerstner, Armin Hoffman, Joseph Mueller Brockman, and Emil Reuter. She also looked outside of the world of Swiss minimalism, finding inspiration from other people like German painter and designer Anton Stankowski, whose highly geometrical art experimented with fractals. Casey even cited how fellow incomplete design history subject Tomoko Miho was one of her inspirations. Miho's poster, Great Architecture in Chicago, used aluminized silver paper with silk screen text and patterns. The text states simply, Great Architecture in Chicago. The patterns work together with the aluminized paper to capture the feeling of looking up at a modern Chicago skyscraper. 
This effective combination of design and materials intrigued Casey, who would also experiment with metallic materials and inks in her own work. In 1972, Casey was appointed the director of the Office of Publications at MIT. As the director, MIT's public image became recognizably influenced by the international typographic style. Her posters were known for striking visuals and bold typography, combined in elegant layouts using satisfying proportions. Her work went on to be a huge influence in the American design world at large. Jacqueline Casey retired in 1989, but even after her retirement, she continued working with the university as a visiting scholar. She spoke highly of her time at MIT, stating the university represents all that is experimental, exciting, and future-oriented. Casey was a private person. It can be hard to find much about her personal life. It's unknown if Casey retired because of her personal fight with cancer, but in May of 1992, she passed away in her Brookline, Massachusetts home at the age of 65. For Jacqueline Casey, graphic design wasn't just her job or even just her passion. It was her calling, something she found after searching for the perfect fit. It was something that was, in her own words, highly personal and private that she loved and shared with the world around her. She succeeded at a time when women across America were fighting to do the same. Her designs became the face of one of the most important and visible universities in the country, helping introduce the American design community to the international typographic style. Casey's memory stands for an example of what we can achieve if we refuse to settle for less. Her achievements are a reminder of what passion can create. Her legacy is an example of how much impact one person can have. This episode was produced with the aid of a grant from the University of Central Oklahoma. Research and writing credits for this episode are from research assistant Shane Valencia, with additional research assistance provided by Kayla Sinclair. Story editing by Spencer Gee. Sound design and engineering by the University of Central Oklahoma Center for E-Learning and Connected Environments. Music by Christina Giacona and Patrick Conlon of Onyx Lane. If you would like to contact me about this episode or about the podcast, please email me at hello at idh.fm. That is hello at idh.fm. Our website can be found at idh.fm. You can also connect with us on Instagram at Incomplete Design History.